Hello. Welcome to Rough Radio. I'm Christine Horn from the Shakespeare in the Rough Leadership Collective. Today, I'm talking with Tracy Bryce, the chair of the Richard III Society of Canada. Let's jump in. Tracy, thank you so much for agreeing to talk with me and to talk with Shakespeare in the Rough about the Richard III Society. Um, I'm going to start super basic. Can you tell me what the Richard III Society is? Well, thank you very much for inviting us. We're very grateful to have this forum to talk about the Richard III Society, which is an organization that was founded originally in 1924 in the UK by a group of like-minded individuals who thought that Richard III, the historical Richard III, had gotten short shrift because everybody, as far as their history is concerned, thinks that Shakespeare's Richard was an accurate representation of the historical Richard III. So the society was formed to do further research into this individual and to help perhaps change perceptions about Richard III, as as I said, as a historical character. And so um, you said it was founded in 1924. So what was hap- what what was there a catalyst in in 1924 that led to the this formation was it sort of was was Richard III sort of in the uh kind of zeitgeist at the time what what prompted um this to form at that time in history That's a that's a, a good question I don't know for sure but I would imagine I mean the play has been put on time and time again mm-hmm. it's put on year after year in all sorts of countries and all sorts of languages I can only expect that in the UK perhaps in London there was a production of Richard III going on and uh individuals thought you know maybe we should those of us who think that he's, mm-hmm. he's uh, been badly maligned mm-hmm. um want to put the word out and use this opportunity to to talk about the real the real man and what what we know about the real man but that's just my supposition i don't know for sure well it's it's interesting because um shakespeare in the rough also runs a book club called rough reads and the first book we read this this season was the daughter of time Mm -hmm. and i I wish i had reminded myself what year that was published um 1953 okay but it was interesting when we announced that we were doing that, we had uh, a number of people from the Canadian branch of the Richard III Society who joined us for that conversation. And and it was really interesting. Um, uh, and I, I realize that this is sort of like 25, 30 years on from when you're saying the society was formed. But but it's an interesting um, it seems to be an interesting kind of time in history for uh, this investigation into the the true the true Richard and not the one that that um uh the sort of Shakespearean Tudor propaganda <laughs> machine had sort of uh created. Um uh can I ask you uh about your how you joined the society and then how you have become the chair of the of the Canadian branch? Okay. My my route <laughs> to Richard, in other words, mm, yeah. Yeah. Um <clears throat> like a lot of people, I read The Daughter of Time 
Mm. And um, I thought it was a fascinating premise and a fascinating story and was and, and was intrigued how Josephine Tay had managed to take what was back, basically a history critique or a history yes. lesson and put up into a mystery story and make it entertaining yeah. as well as educational. Yeah, because there's like no plot. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, yeah. He sits isn't. up. He sits up in bed at one point and that's like the only event. Uh, it's amazing and really compelling. It's, it's, he introduces all of these different characters, uh, but he, it's really just it's just a a, a a dumping of all this information, all yeah. the all the the study and the research that had been done to date, basically, is is what mm-hmm. it was. But it makes mm-hmm. for a fascinating read. So I had read that and I was tr- intrigued by the story. And I've always been someone who is, has developed interests in historical characters. I mean, when I was a youngster, it was Joan of Arc and it was Elizabeth I. And I would read about these people, get the books out of the library and read about mm-hmm. them. And it turned out to be the much the same with Richard III. I started reading reading books about, about him. And then on my first visit to the UK in 1990, um, I made a point of putting a, a trip to Bosworth Battlefield on our itinerary. And uh, just, again, to learn a bit more. I read the books. I wanted to see some of the sites. So uh, when I was there, I found a brochure for the Richard III Society. And I took that home with me and hesitated because I didn't know if I wanted to get into the hassle of joining a UK society and paying in pounds sterling Mm -hmm, and whatnot. mm -hmm. And then as it happened, I, for whatever reason, picked up a copy of the Globe and Mail on August 22nd. And there in the uh, classified section was an in memoriam to Richard III. Oh my gosh. Um, and the fallen at Bosworth in 1485. And with it was, in those days, a mailing address for the Richard III Society of Canada. <laughs> so I wrote to the secretary then, a woman by the name of Noreen Armstrong, and said, I'm sort of interested in this what do you do where do you meet and i found out they 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 met in toronto at members homes and i went to the next meeting and we sat around and we talked about richard the third and we talked about medieval england and i was thoroughly fascinated and i thought Mm. these are my people (laughs) (laughs) and i think that's what all the members find They, they they harbor this interest and they do the reading but they really don't have anybody they can talk to about what they've learned you know they'll start with their friends and family and very soon that gets <laughs> yes that gets old uh, but to suddenly be in a room with people who know what you're talking about who have read the same material that you have read who may have s- the same or perhaps different interpretations of what you've read mm. and to be able to sit and respectfully discuss that and, yeah. and be given avenues to go down. Oh, have you read this book? Have you thought about this? And and it's it's very, very stimulating. And of course, over time, and we, we usually meet most months um, at uh, pre-COVID um, mm-hmm. at members' homes. Um, yeah, they become friends. And, uh, and we start planning social events. We have banquets and stuff like that. And yeah, it, it just becomes... One of those things that you do, yeah. Um, and so then, w- once you were once you were um, a, a part of um, the the society, how did you end up being the chair? 
Oh, <laughs> I know part two of your of your journey. Part two. <laughs> well, largely, largely. I mean, I, <laughs> that's partly to do with my personality. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I've I've been in or, in other organizations where I'd had leadership roles, so I, I sort of had a had a had a taste for it, I guess. Um, uh, it 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 was just a question. I was I would have been a member for a couple of years. I also had the ad. Uh, advantage of being, believe it or not, being pregnant with my first child mm. and being off on maternity leave. I see. So I read all my Ricardian books yes. and I could go to the meetings and I could say oh, about dates and authors and, you know, this happened then. And also I, suddenly I think I, I was probably being a bit of a show off, but what, <laughs> what happened was people realized that, you know, I had a deep knowledge and that I probably would be a good representative for the society. Uh-huh. And um, I, I came on to the executive committee sort of as in the humble role of recording secretary. And um, before I knew it, I was nominated and elected to be the chair. <laughs> <laughs> for the most part, for the past 30 years that I've been a member, except for a brief hiatus for five years, uh, I've been chair ever since. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, uh, and largely because I don't really think anybody else wants to take the job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, that's fine. Wow, that's a, that's uh, that's an incredible um, commitment. Uh, well, it's it's a hobby. I mean, yeah, I no, it's a it's, hobby. You yeah, know, yeah. I, I, we all have the things that we're interested in, though, the things that we'll commit our time to, be it yes, you no know, sports or or Shakespeare in the rough or whatever and you you make the time for it and you do it because you love doing it yeah it fulfills you somehow yes yes that's very it's um uh admirable and it's not as I thought you were going to say oh we you know like any board or something we wrote you know it's like a five-year term or something I didn't think it was going to be (laughs) every every year year we have elections yeah we have elections and and uh we've (laughs) Try and bring new, new or newer members onto the board. Um, we do get some turnover, but I think it it, it is a time commitment. Yes, obviously, as as anything worth doing is. Um, but I think largely, I, I would like to think the membership is generally happy with the way I've mm-hmm. been doing things. There must be, um, yeah. And um, yeah, year after year, people I get asked, "Would you like to stand?" And I say, "I'll do it if no one else wants it." If anybody stands against me, then then I'm going to stand down. Yeah, and yeah. Wants to stand against me, so every year I become I'm acclaimed. So <laughs> I'm, I guess that will continue until I either pop my clogs or <laughs> or I do something completely outrageous and they want to get rid of me. Yeah. Um. So, um. Back to my uh. Um, sort of asking, you know, for for folks who who don't know really anything about the society, what is it that you do? What is sort of the your mission? Yeah, <laughs> your mission, I suppose, and activities. Um, because so for someone else who's like perhaps uh, interested in the same things, is passionate about um, uh, the 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 history and and um, Richard the Third as a human, and they were interested in the Richard the Third Society. What 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 is it? 
<laughs> How do you spend your time? <laughs> I, I, I obviously haven't done my job very well if, if we're still asking this question this far into the podcast. Uh, no, no, if, just for like a, on a super basic, like, because I asked this when we had our, if, our if, rough if meeting. Yeah, I was if curious. If you're interested in history, if you're interested in medieval history, our meetings generally consist of a research paper uh, hmm. presented by a member. Although more recently with Zoom in uh, in the Zoom environment, we've been getting guest speakers in. Um, oh, cool. and, and it could be on any top topic related to Richard III or the period in which he lived or medieval England. We have sort of a, expanded the borders somewhat from time mm-hmm. to time. And it's a it's a it's a individual's researched paper, which they read to the group, and then we talk about it. Um, some of them, again, are directly related to Richard III. We, as you can imagine, over the years, the, the 55 years of the Canadian branch, mm-hmm. we discussed the topic. Did Richard kill the princes in the tower multiple times? Mm-hmm. Um, but we've had talks recently on music in, uh, in the medieval court. We've had talks on um, um Foreigners in 14th and 15th century England. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the others. We usually, we do very often do biographies of a lot of the the, um, historical figures that surround Richard in his Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. People like Margaret of Anjou, the queen of Henry VI, Anne Neville, or any of the, the Richard Neville, Earl of Warwick, all those historical characters whose lives connected with Richard's in, so, in some way. So, I mean, we use it as an opportunity to, to learn and to teach and to talk about what we've read. We talk very often, too, about representations of Richard III. So if there's a particular production of Richard III, um, we'll have conversations about that. People who have gone to see it will mm. talk about it things like that so it's generally yeah it's just it's, it's a our meetings are generally a social uh-huh. activity um uh, again it, it was an occasion to drink wine and chat for an on a sunday afternoon yeah yeah before covid now we've, we've moved exclusively to um zoom meetings um because we found that we have membership right across the country yeah but and that and Zoom is really the best way to engage all of them. When we before COVID, we would have our meetings in, in members' homes, as I mentioned before. But that was really only accessible to people who lived in the Toronto area. Yeah, and we experimented with skyping members in from other parts of the country, but it, it just didn't work very well. Yeah. So we may go back to a few in-person meetings. But largely, I think I, I think Zoom is is uh, COVID has the one thing COVID has been good for is getting yep. all of our members from across the country engaged and people whose names I've seen on the membership list for years. I'm finally, you know, I finally got to meet. Yeah. So and we have members, as I said, right across the country. Uh, we have one up in the Yukon. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, it's just people getting together, talking about their interests, and they yes. just happen to be. Richard III and and uh, the 15th century. Yeah, and how many members, do, if you know offhand, how many members do you have nationally? We're about 65 at the moment in Canada. The society itself is probably inching around 3,500. I think, okay. as you would expect, because it, the the history is there. Yeah, <laughs> and so yeah, the the bulk of the members of the society are in the UK. Yeah, uh, the second largest contingent is in the United States, but I. 
think they're probably around 500. Mm. Um, the next largest contingent after that, surprisingly enough, is Australasia. So that's Australia and New Zealand. Oh, wow. And then Canada's probably coming in fourth, uh, about 65 members. And then there's, 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 I know there's a member in, in Paraguay. I know there's a member in Japan. So usually there, there's a few members dotted through Europe. They have their own continental branch there. So Wow. Um, yeah, there's there's people interested all around the world. Yeah, and it usually comes. They read the Daughter of Time, or they've picked up a biography of Richard the Third, and thought about, you know, this isn't the person that I know from Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, why why are why is there this discrepancy? And then they start reading more, and then they yeah. Google, and then they find yes. out there's a society. <laughs> and can can you talk about that a little bit? Actually, is anything in? Might have two questions. Is anything in Shakespeare's play historically accurate, except for like, you know, some names? And um, uh, what, why, <laughs> why is uh, he depicted that way in that play? Again, for people who whose only exposure to this figure is through that play, like, you know, what is, is anything accurate? And how did it come that this this play portrays him that way? Okay, now you're going to tax me on my intimate knowledge of Shakespeare's Richard the <laughs> Third. Um, again, I think I think you're right. There's some characters, historical characters, are yeah. represented in the play. But the big challenge and the big problem with Shakespeare's Richard the Third is that he has him as a grown man fighting in all through the whole Henry the Sixth series as well. Um, he has him as a grown man fighting in battles that, in reality. He was a toddler. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. So he's, he's, and, and when you've got obvious discrepancy like that, it's hard to take the rest of it with any um, degree of confidence on mm-hmm. um, the accuracy. And you know what? Really, as members, I, I probably can confidently say for most of us, we have real, no real issue with Shakespeare's play. It's, it's a fabulous drama, it yeah. is gripping, it is unique. In, in in his and in, in the way the character interacts with the audience it's yeah we we're quite happy to watch him but what our issue is is the fact that people watch shakespeare and maybe not just richard the third maybe the yes. same with any other you know richard the second and edward the second and all the other king plays and yes. think that's the way that the man actually was that's what yes. he actually did that's the way he actually behaved and they don't look understand or look past the play to recognize that there is a historical individual a real person who has been modified for drama Mm -hmm. and um if you can keep those the two characters separate then you usually can enjoy the play without without damaging an interest or or uh an awareness of the real historical historical person Mm -hmm. um so what was the second part of your question? No, no, that was that was it. Really, yeah, that was it. It was it? sort of well. Yeah. No, I guess my question is why did why um, why did he do it? Why did he? Yeah, why is that the portrayal? And I and sorry, because I'll let you answer that question. It's great drama. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, and politically, good. politically, yes. it was it was probably, probably helpful. Aware. Yeah, yeah. That in once we answered at a time into the of, time. of mm-hmm. Elizabeth the first, whose grandfather is the hero. Mm-hmm. of that letter mm-hmm. and of course he's not going to write shakespeare's not going to write anything that would jeopardize 
his career or his life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, (laughs) So, mm -hmm. I mean, we read, I've read a lot of, and you may have seen these too, a lot of theories too, that the um, Richard in the play, Richard III, is actually a representation of Robert Cecil, who Mm. is William Cecil's son and um, inherited the position of Elizabeth's counselor, chief counselor after his father died. And he was, I think he was viewed with great suspicion by the members of Elizabeth's court and the public. Mm. And the theory, and, and, and I apologize, I can't remember where I read this, but it's somewhere in the in the vast yeah. wealth of time mm-hmm. <laughs> that I've done. Um, but it sort of makes sense that that Richard III of the play is a stand-in for a critique of a modern Elizabethan person um, and and Shakespeare's using the history quote and I'm using air quotes here to comment yeah. on that individual but yeah yeah it's, it's a, again an intriguing thing that I'm sure somebody's going to want to afterwards want to google and find yeah. out more about this this theory Yes, and and also we, we, you're saying that the sort of with Elizabeth on the throne and this Tudor this Tudor line strengthening mm-hmm. that claim um, to the throne, which was maybe not as strong as as the Lanca uh, the um, sorry that sort of Plantagenet like line. Um, uh that so it was it was referred to when when we had um members at our at our rough reads meeting it was referred to often as the tutor propaganda machine um th- that's what this play kind of cranked cranked out yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's very interesting um and so interesting also just as somebody who who you know works in the theater it's so interesting that a play can have that kind of um uh power both mm-hmm. at the at the time <laughs> and that it would be sort of that risky politically but then now 400 years later how it has really um impacted uh history and what people know of of history and of this um of this person um and i think that 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 calls to shakespeare's genius that richard the third that the the character in the play yeah has such staying power that yeah. even 400 years later, I mean, we remember him. Um, it seems every actor worth his salt wants to play him. And yeah. I mean, how just the past couple of years, how many productions of Richard III have you heard about in yeah. here in Canada and in the UK and all yeah. over the world? He's, yeah. he's yeah. such a, a, a an appealing character. Um, yeah. But of course, it comes with all the baggage of the real character. And that's what gets... Us Ricardians up in arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, of course, your average person says, okay, Shakespeare was writing about, Shakespeare wrote history. He was writing about yes, the real time. Yes. All, all that happened was true. Well, We even not. call them the history plays. Well, that's it too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's, but you know what? It gives us, it always gives us an opportunity to to sort of enlighten people. Because it's not just Richard III. It's, it's any of any character that's written in a dramatic manner uh, based on a historical figure tends to be um, yeah, 
yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm exaggerated or exaggerated, you know, outside, drawn outside yeah. the lines of right, yeah, right, yeah. and then and you have people, you even have people who, even people who are alive today, trying to rehabilitate again using air quotes their reputation because some writer has put something down on paper and everybody has believed it. Yeah, so yeah, goes on today. Yeah, um, I wanted to ask you also about um. Uh, the fairly recent uh, discovery of Richard's uh, Richard's body in the mm-hmm. in the car park and and the role that the Richard the Third Society played in that um, that discovery. And I know that's probably another whole huge thing. <laughs> and I said I would let you go in about fifteen minutes. No, um, no, that's fine. But uh, but could you talk? Because it's so incredible that story. And so do you, do you mind sort of talking, talking about that whole thing? Not at all. How much time do you have? <laughs> I have. Well, how much time do you have? You can make this story as short or as long as you want. Uh, it'll probably end up being long. I have, I, <laughs> um, you know what, I, uh, when I joined the society and again, I joined 1919, uh, oh my goodness, not in the last century. The last century. Uh <laughs> Never in our wildest dreams did we ever think that his body would be discovered. Um, I mean, most of us believed the old wives' tale that he had been dug up during the Reformation and his body thrown into the River Soar mm-hmm. in, in Leicester. Um, but there are there a member in the UK. Her name is uh, Philippa Langley, um, and she just knew that she had to do something she's probably she's she's we we i think we tend to look on her now as the representation of all the hopes and fantasies that most of us members have had that we were going to find something equivocal that proved richard was a good person a good king and didn't kill the princes in the tower and whatnot Mm. we're not there yet but being able to discover where he was buried and to recover his body is almost the next best thing Mm -hmm. so philippa started this project and i don't know if you or any of your listeners have seen the movie the lost king i do recommend it um it's a little bit of flight of fantasy but it's it's generally sort of true to the process it took Philippa uh, many years of research and many years of badgering various people <laughs> to get the project launched. She and a few other uh, Ricardians, members of the society, formed a Looking for Richard um, uh, committee. And uh, they, through very hard research, um, through sources and maps, they pinpointed a, a place in Leicester, which happened to be a parking lot or what they call a car park. Um, where it was quite possible, since there no buildings had ever been built on the site, that that's where his body was. And um, uh, so Philippa, it, it, it started to filter out through the ranks of the society. We were sort of sent an email and told that there was this project underway and that we would be provided with information. And then suddenly we got an email saying that this project that the society was working on was under threat because one of the major uh, fund uh, funders was had pulled out mm. and suddenly there was going to be a shortfall in funds and um so they put if you know they put out can you pledge some money to so we can have a like a war chest to, to, mm. to get this done mm-hmm. well i think it ended up being like twenty six thousand pounds 
came from wow. members all across the world, including the Canadian branch. We we sent in a donation as a branch, and several of our members, including me, sent in donate personal donations. Mm. And it saved the project. And that project was digging up that car park to find out um, if the Church of the Grey Friars, where Richard was buried, documented buried, so we knew he'd been buried there, was could be found and if we they could possibly find his tomb mm. and as it happened on the first day they dug the first trench and on the first day of the dig bones were discovered and they were set aside and work continued on in other trenches and eventually philippa insisted that the body that had been found be ex exhumed and examined and it turned out to be richard the third now, preface that by, that was in 2012, preface that maybe about 10 years earlier, the, uh, we as a branch in Canada had been contacted by an historian by the name of John Ashdown Hill. And he was on a, working on a project to identify remains um, in Belgium of Margaret of Burgundy. She was Duchess of Burgundy and she was the sister of Richard III. Mm. He had done um, a matrilinear uh, ge genealogical descent of Richard's elder sister, Anne, through the, the female line, so the mitochondrial DNA, and he had tracked down a descendant of Richard's sister to London, Ontario. And it was a woman by the name of Joy Brown. Her maiden name was Ibsen. <laughs> and John contacted us at the Canadian branch and said, do you have a phone book for London, Ontario? I'm <laughs> woman down because of this research that I've done. We said, sure, John. Hey, we pulled off. We gave him got a phone number. We gave it to him. Apparently he called her and said, you were descended from, <laughs> you know, the Plantagenets. And he had done all his research and uh, the upshot of it. Joy Joy provided a a, a DNA sample and it was confirmed. All his research wow. was confirmed. So even before we found Richard's we ha ha even before <laughs> someone found Richard's body, um, we had the proof. We had the DNA that we could prove whatever was found was Richard III. So if that hadn't happened before even the, the, the yes. idea of looking for a body, we wouldn't have got anywhere. But as it was, we had, uh, and of course it was confirmed because Joy has three children, uh, two live in Canada, one lives in London. He happens to be a cabinet maker. And Michael Ibsen um, agreed again to, they redid all the, all the genealogy and redid the DNA testing and everything still came out the same. And he gave the sample when they discovered the body to confess oh, yes. that he was related. He was a descendant of Richard III's family. So it's... Wow. And of, it's just a fascinating story. And of course, it drew a lot of people to the society for the first couple of years. Um, uh -huh. yeah, and, yeah. you know, membership has again sort of stabilized and dropped off as people gone on and found other interests. I'm the first one to admit an interest in Richard III in medieval English, England is a very esoteric interest. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an interest just the same as 
you know, being an interest in cars or an interest in football Absolutely. or an in anything else. Um, but um, and it, yeah. you've been a part of this thing, like that. That even you know that the that the Canadian branch made this donation. You know that was really vital funding to do. You know that 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 is that's like a, a an such an you've made a contribution. You've made well, a really significant contribution. I think. Yes. And some of <laughs> you us know? have even been able to do more than that. I mean, I had the opportunity to go to England in March of 2015, along with Sheila O'Connor, who you've met. Yes. Um, and a few other members. And we were there to attend the uh, memorial services and the reburial of Richard III. Oh, my well, gosh. Cathedral. So we were there. Uh, we made an entire week out of it. There was There was lectures. There was... Um, church services. There was the reinterment himself. There was an um, a requiem service in a church in Leicester. It was just a beautiful, beautiful week. And Ricardians from all around the world came to Leicester and met and celebrated the discovery of Richard III. Wow. And um, again, Google and you can, you know, 2015 Leicester, Richard III, and you'll see videos of the procession as they yeah. brought his body from Bosworth to Leicester and the burial service and everything else. So it was a fabulous, fabulous week. And you were there wow. knowing you were a part of history. Yes. Probably one of the highlights of, of my life being able to attend that. So that's extraordinary. Um and what a what I can imagine for for uh members like yourself who've been part of it for so long to have that um that opportunity. Uh Wow. Um, for people who uh, want to, I mean, it's probably as simple as going to your website, but how do people, if people are interested in learning more or joining or any of that, how do people uh, get involved with the society? Well, I, as you point out, yeah, you can contact us through our website, which is richardiii.ca. <laughs> um, uh we and we we welcome you know interested people to come and attend one of our Zoom meetings. We don't charge anything for that. Come and and hear hear one of the papers and hear the discussion and talk to the members, um, get to know us a little bit. And if if we're your kind of people, then we're <laughs> happy to have you join us and we'll help process your member. If you if you join, you can join through the branch and be a full member of the society in the UK with all the voting rights and you'll get all the publications and every, all the other perks that members get. But we also have a small cadre of people who um, who are just want to be what we call branch only members. So they come and they mm. attend the meetings and, and they contribute that way. And 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 that's fine, too. So, um, yeah, or, or just Google the Richard III Society of Canada and that will give you the contact information. Um, yeah, we're very happy. We're very, very happy to have new people come along and tell us about their their interest in Richard III and ask us their questions. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's as I said, it's an interest. And we have fun with it, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, I alluded to in the past when we were getting together, we usually have our AGM annual general meeting in October. And uh, with that, we usually, uh, we used to, in the old days when we all <laughs> were younger and had all the resources, we would have a, a banquet where we would mm. usually luck, bring food in. And those who wanted to dress up in costume could do so, although it wasn't a requirement. Right. Um, 
now these these days we tend to all go out if we if we have an in-person AGM we all just go out for a restaurant for a meal yeah and uh, and do our year-end reports and that type of thing just have you know a good time drinking yeah. a laugh with each other yeah so. that sounds like a, a very very um uh fun and healthy organization um is there anything else I'm trying to look at my list I had some questions for you and I think we've covered everything um is there anything else that you uh, feel like you would like to um, uh, anything you don't feel like you covered about the society or something important you feel like sharing about what I, what I am going to do separately is ask you for um, a, a book recommendations that will also, when we release this podcast, we'll also, I know, I know. So think, narrow it down. <laughs> oh, so that'll be a separate email. Don't worry about that. Um, but, uh, but is there anything oh, else that you feel like you haven't, we haven't talked about that you'd like to, um, like to talk about? Um, I'd like to, I think I'd like to make the point that, um, I, I mean, I've talked about the longevity of the society. It's been around, we're, we're celebrating our hundredth anniversary next year. We're, oh my you know, gosh. Our foot for that. The Canadian branch itself is at, we were formed in 1966. So we're up around 55 years old ourselves. Um, I, I think it might be of interest to your members to know that the society actually has a royal patronage. Uh, our patron, the society's patron is His Royal Highness uh, Richard, the Duke of Gloucester, oh who is gosh. the cousin to Queen Elizabeth II. And, uh, he's been our patron since 1980, I believe. Wow. And of course, he's named after Richard III, who wow. was... A, pre a predecessor, uh, Duke of Gloucester. And uh, I had the honor of meeting him at the um, uh, in, in 2015 at the reinterment. He's a lovely man, and he is very, very um, dedicated to the idea that Richard's reputation deserves rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. and, um, so maybe the point I'm making here is, you know, we're not some fly by night organization. No, no. Yeah. We have some credibility. Uh, yeah. In, in so much as, as yeah, a member of the Royal family is, has agreed to be our patron and attends events from time to time. Oh my so, gosh. In the UK. So we yeah. have yet to get them to Canada, but <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, and we're very proud of that. Yeah. We're very proud of that fact. So. Yeah, that's amazing. You hold it. You hold uh, an important place in the in the world. I think. Well, I won't argue with that. On no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, thank you so much for your time, Tracy. This was a really, really uh, fascinating conversation, and I'm I'm very happy that I'm very happy that we read the Daughter of Time and that it brought the Richard the Third Society. <laughs> into the Shakespeare in the Rough Circle, because this is really, um, uh, this, uh, I'm very, very grateful to have been able to have this conversation and other conversations that we've been having with members of the society all through our season. Uh, and so we're valuable. very grateful that you've given us this, this platform to spread the word. Oh, uh, as I said, we're a small esoteric organization. We don't make a lot of noise. Um, uh, but if, if there are people out there who are interested, absolutely we're perfectly yep. yeah we'd yep. be delighted to talk to them if they've been in the wilderness for years thinking about Richard <laughs> III, the medieval history and not having anyone to talk to about or are are 
or even if they're a fan of Henry the Seventh and just want someone to argue. About yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> and we're out here and and we're waiting for you. So <laughs> amazing. Well, thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for my conversation with Tracy Bryce about the Richard III Society. If you would like more information about the Society, you can find them online at www.richardiii.ca. Please join us in Withrow Park this August 17th to September 3rd for Richard III, a reworking of Shakespeare's Richard III written and directed by Patricia Allison. Thank you for listening, everyone.